1: Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined by Lisa de Klerk, who I think is in Dunedin. (laughs) Welcome. Thank you very much for
2: having me.
1: So how was your bubble life?
2: Well, um... I was working around about 55 to 60 hours full time um, while taking up a, a national presidency uh, role for a board that I was on because our national president went a little bit AWOL and I had my teenager and my toddler um, who was toilet training and I also had my neighbours have kittens on my couch at the beginning of lockdown. <laughs> so. I had a very interesting lockdown, <laughs> um, but it was it was it was very good. I don't remember much of it. Um, just being very tired, but um, I don't remember being very negative about it at all, which was good.
1: You are the manager of Volunteer South.
2: Yes, I, um, does- I've been in their role since September last year, uh, and I also uh, facilitate. Parenting Through Separation with the Methodist Mission as well.
1: Cool. So you weren't doing that job during lockdown?
2: Um, I was doing the the Volunteer South job, but not the the Parenting Through Separation one. Oh, okay. That just got a little bit too
1: (laughs) (laughs) What does Volunteer South do?
2: We're a connection service. Uh, we work to provide um, volunteer opportunities for when that would like to volunteer um, and uh, we also work with member organisations to ensure that they have best practice and all the support and advocacy they need in the voluntary sector. So we work across um, Waitaki through to Stewart Island um, <laughs> and we work with not-for-profits um, as well. Though so, um, usually they would have a voluntary focus.
1: I know, I know it's hard perhaps to measure it because the normal terms of measuring it put it in monetary terms, but do we know what sort of proportion of the, the work that gets done is voluntary work?
2: 4 billion to the economy each year um, and they contribute around about 60 million to um, New Zealand. Now That was in 2019. So. 2020 statistics should be quite interesting Um, whether it goes up or down I'm actually unsure but um, certainly the um, the types of people who volunteer um, has changed quite a bit last year so it'll be interesting to see if it remains that way this year as well.
1: The types of people that volunteer is that everything from the, the surf clubs with younger people through to the things that the retired people work with?
2: Yeah, so we, um, we've we got a, a database which um, started in August last year and um, we, we've we noted in the last few years that the, the amount of retired people who are volunteering um, has been decreasing um, quite significantly. Um, but it was quite stark at the end of last year. So only 7% of the people who came through Volunteer South to, to volunteer, they were over the age of 60. Um, and we were actually able to discover that the most likely person to volunteer is um, a woman aged between 30 and 60 who's in full-time employment. And that statistic uh, surprises people um, because people do think that you need a lot of time in order to to volunteer, but um, the types of volunteer roles that people are looking for are sort of one-off or event-type volunteer roles. Um, that they can pop in and out, Um, especially now with people looking for employment as well. They don't want to commit to anything long-term. So the um, people are are, are volunteering um, more, but in shorter amounts of time. And um, I think that's uh, been really quite where the shift has been for the um, people who aren't retired to be able to, to still be able to help the community in lots of small little ways.
1: I wonder why the retired volunteering is going down. Are they all too busy being active, r- running around doing triathlons <laughs> and things?
2: Um, I think partially because um, the, the types of volunteer work that they, um, they were used to do uh, it doesn't seem to, to be quite as prevalent as it used to. Um, so they would often volunteer for an organisation or a cause um, and they would do so for for decades. Um, and that's that's what they would do. That was part of their life, and that's what um, how how they would contribute to the community by working with that one organisation for so long. Um, last year, it's probably quite a smaller number because obviously they're in they were in the at risk group to to be out in the community, and there was still quite a lot of anxiety around that at the end of last year. So that's why we're um, we are expecting a little bit more of a shift than that seven percent, hopefully a little bit higher. Um, but the, um, we've had a few people um, in that older age bracket who have come through our doors recently and um, they've said that, you know, last year was not my year. <laughs> this year, <laughs> I'm going to do it. So um, I think it was a, at that stage, um, the, decline, the, the stark decline was just simply due to, to COVID and what was happening out
1: in the world. Did volunteering continue through the lockdowns?
2: Yes um, it was a very difficult thing to deal with because obviously in an emergency everybody wants to help um, and in a, in a pandemic it's kind of the opposite of what um, you need to be doing so um, we supported the community and the Dunedin City Council um, and all across um, the, the southern region actually um, to, um, to provide uh, Groceries and firewood and pet food and anything you could probably think of that people were short of during um, lockdown to people um, as a way of making sure that people were still keeping their distance. Um, People who were doing it informally, um, yeah, we tried to 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 stop there as much as possible, just simply because there was just that high risk. But at the same time, we knew it was going to happen, so we put some um, quite. explicit guidelines about how to to help your neighbours and how to volunteer um and during this time so um certainly the amount of people who put their names forward um to, to help in an, in an emergency like that was significantly increased because there's a lot of people who certainly had time to, <laughs> to do some volunteering um so we, we were dealing with about 1500 across targo um during lockdown um, and coordinating that for um, all the councils across the, the southern region.
1: I suppose all of the old needs were still there, but there would have also been new needs. Yes.
2: So um, one of the things that um, was probably quite difficult for for most organisations during um, lockdown was the fact that there was um, a significantly increased amount of need, but that need didn't stop at the end of lockdown. Um, we're still seeing quite a quite a, a high percentage of people wanting or needing support. Um, luckily lockdown was great in that it meant that there were a lot of workaround systems that wouldn't that didn't um weren't happening beforehand. So we're more capable of supporting the community now. Um, but there is still quite a reliance on things that um, hadn't been there a, a year ago. And um, charities had a bit of a break over, <laughs> over Christmas, but that's probably about it. Um, and it was very, very tiring for, for everybody by the end of the year. Um, and um, certainly two, three weeks wasn't long enough to, to recover. Um, but, you know, this is what we, we do in the not-for-profit sector. We work hard and we often work hard for uh, while we're under-resourced as well. So, you know, we just keep on keeping on and and hope that there will be um, more advocacy and support for us in the future.
1: Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have the Piano Guys playing Coldplay's Paradise. Why this one?
2: Um, I discovered the Piano Guys when I was uh, working for New Zealand Red Cross and Um, I just loved the diversity of their music uh, and just how passionate they were and um, so I'd always play it (laughs) when I was going to to have my training for Red Cross volunteers just because of that diversity and everybody loved it and it's just been a favorite of mine ever since.
0: in
3: a sleep you can dream of
1: suppose it's a tautology is that the right word i think it is for something which is circular logic which i've just come up with why is the volunteer sector so under-resourced is it because like the work is important so why isn't this important work getting getting supported
2: i guess um because it's a bit of a catch-22 like not-for-profits in general are under-resourced um but the voluntary sector is even more um, under resourced because there's, there's still a um, a perception that it's a nice to have rather than a, a must, um, and I'm actually um, quite a quite a loud and proud advocate for um, volunteer coordinators and volunteer managers being um, full time at the very least, um, <laughs> you know. Volunteer coordination takes up so much of your time um, that if you want to adequately support people who are essentially in a an um, employment position, even if it's unpaid, um, you, you have to dedicate the resources to that. And so not having those resources available just, um, you know, it could be a budget line that you're saving or what have you, but it's unrealistic to expect someone to be taken care of you know 100 200 300 volunteers um who you know need the same level of support and in, in a lot of ways for the work that they're doing depending on what they're doing you know if you're working with people um in in rest homes um, right now they'll they'll be quite um uh panicky and um you know anxious so how are you how is that going to impact on your volunteer your volunteer a human being with their own emotions um, so they, they, need, you know, they need that level of support from essentially, yeah, so um, it's, I guess it's, it's shifting, you know, what people perceive as a, as a nice to have and thinking about it in terms of we're all human beings and we all need to be supported and how do we do that in a professional sense because volunteering is very much professional.
1: I suppose a big part of it is that the volunteers have to feel valued.
2: Yes, absolutely um When we one of the things that we do when we onboard our own volunteers is we ask them how they like to be appreciated or shown that they are valued, and most of them will just think that that's a very silly question because they don't do it to you know to to get anything in return. But actually, you can't expect people to to do something and like give up their time and you know whatever asset going on in their lives, you know with with no return. Um, they'll say. You know a thank you is all that you needed but um at the end of last year we were quite lucky in that the regent theater gave us a thousand free movie tickets for all the volunteers in the community um and you know that's not something that they would have to give out to the community or do but it just showed that you know they valued their volunteers they valued the work that everybody did during 2020 when it was tough for everyone and everybody enjoyed it you know it was just a really nice thing to be able to do Um, And because people don't expect it, it's just so much nicer as well. So, you know, um, everybody likes to be thanked for their hard work, you know, even if you're not expecting it. It's it's definitely um, a a huge thing in the voluntary sector.
1: And you said you have a teenager and a toddler at home. Did that make for entertaining schooling during lockdown? (laughs)
2: Um, Well, I think my teenager, I hope he did send it all of his classes. <laughs> um I didn't keep an eye on that as much as I probably have. Um we were competing for internet resources there for a while. Um my toddler, I think he was just happy that you know Mum was home the whole time. <laughs> he seemed to be all right and would go out every day um, on his new bike that we just managed to get before lockdown, luckily. Um and so, you know, it, it was it was still fine. <laughs>
1: Did you manage? You managed to get out and get some exercise.
2: Yes, at the time I was living in Mary Hill, um, at the top of Wellington. Um, it was we live across the road from a school, <laughs> so my, my my children were always playing over at the school. So to not be go to the school was quite difficult for them. Um, but we we had a little route that we would go around and sort of a figure out and oh boy did we live for those
1: <laughs> those <laughs> walks <laughs> did you have conversations about what was going on I suppose the toddler is too little to, to to notice or care about what was was happening but for the rest of the family did you have conversations about the the pandemic and the response
2: yeah well my um my teenagers. Is- um, stepmother it was a, well, is a nurse and, um, yeah, so it, for us, it was just a matter of time before she caught COVID and, you know, what what we would do in that situation anyway. So um, being really upfront and honest is something that we, we make sure we do as a family anyway. And, um, you know, every time I found something out, I'd pass it on to the teenager um they're very responsible and um yeah it didn't seem to to affect them so much but then (laughs) they were also um at Logan Park so (laughs) 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 they were the first school to lock down (laughs) um so they they were probably a bit more onto it with a bit more information than most people going into that
0: bubble sprite of the forest of Oroku Nui, favourite goddess Tahu Mackenzie
4: Kia ora koutou, nama ki aroha ho, ho. I hope you're all having the best staff and your beloved youth. And I really hope that we you are, what is happening over this journey, all on to this it be your reward sustaining for you more and day. who you are, of nature's perfect and here making. So I know that for all of us, been very intense journey is still on this path together, navigating multiple shifts in our collective realm through this global pandemic and for us here in Aoteaport East Dunedin we've been so lucky to frolic about to stay unparalleled freedom for the last few months but with the arrival of Valentine day four new cases in the North Island we're now moving back to level two and for those level three so I know that for all of us this comes as a shock and as unwelcome news and for me, I've had to inform all my staff, my beautiful dream team at my heart's home, Ota and with a large school group planned to visit us tomorrow at the e Of course, we're having to adjust our RAMS form healthy policy, just get everybody ready to do something differently. I'm so grateful that as beasts, we are so geared towards working together, and we have co-evolved for billions of your life on that last planet. So we are so adaptable, so able to shift, do things differently especially if we've done them before. So we really have all the skills we need to see ourselves through the next wee while, with change that we need to make. I find it particularly interesting and in many ways quite helpful that whilst we're in the middle of a constructed holiday, Valentine's, a creation of our own innate emotional imagination, we are facing a much bigger picture in terms of our own survival, and this helps to put things back Although we have created a very rich culture, a very rich civilization and society species, the most fundamental question of course to us when we are faced with our life and perilous fragility, how we can breathe, preserve it, and care for one another and ourselves. So whether or not we have a bunch of rows in a box of whether or not we have an idealized relationship, a love object who meets a series of pre-prescribed tick boxes. We know that we're safe and we are loved because we belong to a loving and supportive collective of our fellow human. We're so lucky and we can feel the power of this love all over the world that we want to care for each other. We're working tirelessly in order to do this. And for me, the testament to this ability to love on a global scale is so reassuring and so affirming of our best qualities. And so whether you are deepening your relationship with yourself on this day, whether you are enjoying your relationship with friends of know on this day, whether you have a beautiful love relationship that you're really enjoying, enriching, celebrating too. I really hope that for all of you, you can feel a sense of the embrace and the love of the infinite of life of which we're all a part, surrounding you and uplifting you and reminding you of who you are, all the great skills that you possess. And I'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Kaki
1: You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Lisa de Klerk. Lisa, we've seen lots of societal changes over the the last few months, the last year, what do you think will stick, and what do you hope will stick?
2: Uh, I'm hoping that the the be kind will stick. Uh, coming together and working together. Um, uh, I currently live in Wakawaiti and of course, we've had our own tough, challenging times in the in the last couple of weeks. Um, and it's kind of been a little bit disheartening that there have been those those real negative people That have been given a platform to to, to voice their fears, really. Um, and um, I, you know, my my role in all this is just to be the the positive, like be part of the solution rather than you know complain about the problem. Um, and so that that whole idea of be kind and and look after one another was something that was really important to the work that I was doing over lockdown as well. So. I definitely hope that that continues on in the future, for sure.
1: Why do you think it took a pandemic for Be Kind to raise its head? Isn't it something we should have been doing anyway?
2: Yeah, I think um, it was happening quite a bit. I mean, I, I see it every day in my job. But I think um, the it kind of gained a lot more traction because we we're in a very unusual circumstance, um, something that you know most of us have never been in before. Um, I'd be... In a, in a pandemic um, uh, when I lived in Korea, um, and there was no such thing as lockdowns when we, when I was going through that. Certainly um, there was a lot more support in the, in the country at that point in time. but um, looking at you know how people were reacting um, you know pre and post lockdown, I think you know it just takes a little bit of a reminder for people to realize that actually, it is okay. we are all in this together. Whereas most of the time before the pandemic, you know, we all have our own problems. We all have your, our own things that's going on in our lives. Um, and it's easy to think that we're we're alone in all of that. Whereas this time, you know, we, we were all in it together. So I think that's probably why it, it became a powerful point, really.
1: That will be helpful, I'm presuming, for... The sorts of work that you do, I'm thinking of that we're all in this together, the team of five million, is quite closely aligned with the kind of ethos that you work with.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that was really fantastic um, that came out of lockdown was just how much people worked together and shared resources. And that's um, something that the not for profit sector had been, I think, forgetting how to do. Um, uh, for for quite a number of years beforehand uh, we uh, you know like again we, we all have our own work we all have um, the tendency to get a bit siloed um, and um, trying to remember that actually you know there, there are other people who support um you know it, the um the dCC was actually really fantastic bringing us all together and keeping us updated um, and how um, they could support the not-for-profit the- sector the- the- in particular um, and then um, when we um got out of lockdown and we started working together and realized this wasn't you know something that was just going to go back to normal we started trying to figure out ways about how we could work better together in the future and i think one of the the bad things about this not um being so prolonged is the fact that we were so quick to go back to what we used to be doing um that we haven't um, necessarily remembered the the lessons from lockdown um, and so there is still um a lot of work to do to make sure that collaboration and that support in um, our sector is um, meaningful uh but you know it's still it's still a lot better than uh, it was before lockdown
1: I remember a day near the end of the first lockdown when we were walking around on the hills above where we are in Sawyers Bay and there were no we, we'd like walked up the road and down the road and not a car had gone past. And we thought, this is really nice. But you know what? Next Tuesday, you won't be able to walk down the middle of the road. And next Tuesday, you couldn't walk down the <laughs> middle of the road. And it made me think about how quickly we rushed back to being busy. Mm, A- and we, yes. and do we have some kind of addiction to, to this busyness, even though we perhaps know it's not the best thing for us?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, mindfulness and mental well-being really took um, precedence at the um, for last year. Um, volunteer South as part of the Mental Health Awareness Week with Southern Health, um, just trying to get the message about how people can get some support and some help out in the community. And, um, you know, just, just from having conversations with people, um, you know, who who had been, you know, hadn't had that break since they come back from lockdown, you know, there, there was a different definite point when there was a, a brick wall where they just ceased to, to, to function um, in a way that was, You know, they were just turning up to work. They were just doing the work that needed to be done, but there was none of that passion and enthusiasm behind it that um, usually is a huge part of the not-for-profit sector. Um, And I think, you know, without even realising it, um, we we wished for something that we wanted to go back to, um, but that wasn't there anymore. And um, certainly by the end of last year, amount of conversations that i was having with people that were just like yeah no something's got to change because we can't continue going on like this and it was just because the um you know we we needed to change our our work arrangements we needed to make sure that we were had the adequate resources in order to be able to do our job better and you know i think you're absolutely right you know (laughs) new zealanders are very addicted to being busy um most of us will have more than one job i'm a (laughs) (laughs) I'm <laughs> definitely a um, case in point um, but you know it doesn't have to be like that as long as there's an adequate work-life balance um, you know it, it, <laughs> we should be taking things a little bit slower absolutely
1: so in terms of that rahui that that reset you're describing it as not being a back to to business as usual what sort of vision would you have for what we could do instead
2: well, I mean, one of the things about volunteering in particular um, is the fact that um, eventually most not-for-profits want to do themselves out of the job. Um, you know, it's they don't want to be necessary in our community. And so having a look at where um, all those gaps were in our service when, you know, all of a sudden we weren't able to to move around as much enabled us to have a bit of a stock take and um, a rethink about how um, we were doing things. Um, it's finally managed to, to push some people into the technological space that had been reluctant before um, and that has done um, amazing wonders um, for the, the connectedness around the country. Um, so I think the more that we sort of think about those gaps and how we can work together to, to, to help each other, you know, whether it's in this, you know, wider not-for-profit sense or whether it's just as, you know, uh, neighbours, you know, on our streets or in our community, um, the the easier it will be for us to be able to to maintain that tension that became incredibly important um, during lockdown and, um you know, it remains important today because that's why we all rushed out because we wanted those things again
1: it was strange how the one thing we weren't allowed to do was to be connected in a physical sense Mm. made us realize how important that was
2: yeah absolutely yeah no it's um i had my boyfriend at the time living in a different city so (laughs) (laughs) it was it was quite difficult um not being around somebody um I literally, you know, at the start of lockdown, I was just like, "Not, not even going to attempt to put my toddler in his own bed. He's just going to share my bed <laughs> because, it, at one, it's going to be easier, and two, I just, I just need that that human, humanity, um, uh, and that connection with me. Um, I'm pretty sure my teenager wouldn't have got into my bed if I, even if it asked." So. <laughs> That's what toddlers are good for. Us. But um yeah, no, it definitely um, you know, it was it's quite difficult. I I managed to keep in touch with most of my neighbors. Um but yeah, it was still very quiet. Very, very quiet.
1: You're talking then about realizing that some jobs don't need to be done. Did it prompt the volunteering sector to to realise that some jobs actually aren't needed? We we did without that thing.
2: Um in some senses yeah Uh, I think it was more that we were looking at sort of the duplication of what has been was being done in the community so there's a lot of people who work in very similar spaces um, and um, over lockdown they just work together (laughs) (laughs) they had no other choice really Um, and that was amazing because again you know we tend to get a little bit siloed, a little bit isolated, um, and um, there was just no need for it over lockdown, Um, and um, some of those collaborations have continued on, um, some of them have stopped, but the organisations are still working together, Um, and um, one of the key um, advocacy points out of um, 2020 was the need for us to stop duplicating, um, uh, and thus competing for resources. Uh, so every time there's there's a, something in the community that um, is very similar, we recommend that people work together as opposed to creating something new. Or, And we've come up with partnerships, three new partnerships in the last um, six months ourselves um, because we just see the need to, to work together rather than, you know, create something new. Um, and it's working out perfectly fine.
1: <laughs> that idea of doing yourself out of a job, which has negative connotations for us if we think about it in terms of redundancy but it's actually what we should be doing we should be trying to solve these problems in a way that stays solved and doesn't need us anymore
2: absolutely i mean i've always thought of it as a a catch-22 but i mean i would much rather not be needed in the community um than you know to to be forever in a job watching vulnerable people be taken advantage of or hurt or you know you know there there has to be a point at which um that's not okay for me to be in a job like that you know where where do we put that line um and um I'm, i'm very much um a key supporter of any initiative that works to to close those gaps and gets us to a point where you know it's not needed anymore because people are well supported and well connected
1: let's take the second of your music choices let's have Mumford and Sons I will wait why this one
2: um, this one brings me back to when I first arrived back in New Zealand after spending a couple of years away teaching um, and uh, it just seemed like a really um, important thing for me when I first came back to New Zealand and realising just how much I'd waited um, to be in a, a place like our home
0: I fell heavy into your arms. These days of dust, wish we you know, will blow away with this new sun.
1: What lessons do you think we can take from the pandemic and the pandemic response for the longer-term questions that we face—the intergenerational ones, things like climate change and social in- inequity? I think
2: that's a, um, I think that's a really good question. Um, I mean, we learned so much about what New Zealand was capable of. We learned so much about how much we rely on, you know, the rest of the world, um, particularly in the sort of forest sector. Um, and I think having this opportunity to be, you know, truly New Zealand um, has made it so that it's a lot easier for us to see, you know, kind of where we've been um, trying to figure this, I guess trying to figure out those gaps again, um, you know, with the, with climate change, we can we can see the impact that um, m- hundreds of tourists going through um, fuel and had on, on the um, uh, on, on the walking tracks there. And now that that's not happening, you know, it's there's a whole different space and a whole lot more nature has returned to those spaces. Um, so what do we value more? Do we value um, Um, our native spaces or do we value the the economy that comes that with people coming into the country and um while it has been quite tough um you know i just visited omaru in the um last weekend and um they're the kind of tourist economy that won't necessarily get hundreds of people coming like everybody will go to Queenstown because they know it's a place where they can go for as a, as a tourist and enjoy themselves. Omero still needs the, those tourists they're just passing through to come through as you know it doesn't have the same draw as, as Queenstown does so there's a there's an opportunity there for us to kind of focus on you know our, our regions our smaller cities and seeing how um what they do and fit into our wider space, whether that's our um, social inequity, or whether that's um, her, the, the kinds of um, initiatives that they have done, you know, they've had a, um, a massive fire, you know, in the last six months, uh, and then, you know, that. but they never had a single case in the Waitaki region um, over lockdown, and they're quite proud of that. Mm. Um, so they, they, it's a very different space for them to think about that, but, um, you know, at the same time, because they've, um, they're quite proud of what they've done over lockdown, um, they've attributed it to the fact that they're such a, a fantastic reconnected community um, and um, they're working on ways to make sure that that continues on in the future. Um, and I guess when it comes to, to all, of, all of those social issues, all of those those really big issues that um, we're, we're looking at. You know, it, it's we've got to we've got to make sure that um, we have the ability to, to to bring it all back to who matters most. And you know, we all matter. <laughs> you know, that was very apparent and in, and um, in, in during the lockdown. You know, we're all humans. We all live under the same sun, and the same moon. Um, we're all in the same space. And so, you know, the way that we look after each other is really, really important. I
1: have some questions to end the show with and not very much time, so we shall have to be quick. What is the biggest success <laughs> you've had in the last couple of years?
2: Um, I guess um, the biggest success was bringing my organisation, volunteer. to, um, from a, a relatively um, unknown organisation to a um, quite a well-known one, um, big profile, and we were a finalist for the um, Business Awards last year, at the end of last year, so it's, it was a huge success.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we're writing a book of these conversations, it's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in the team, what is the superpower that's got you into the mansion?
2: <laughs> um I, I guess I'd probably have to say positivity because it doesn't matter what you throw at me, I'm gonna do my best to make sure that everybody gets supported.
1: <laughs> How do you see positive in something which is gloomy? We could front load with, with bad things, but but you're not the sort of person that's doing that. What do you look for? What's no, the spark? I mean-
2: <laughs> I just look for the the people doing good things. Um, It's just like that quote, you know, look for the helpers because they're always there. And it's the same with every dark situation. There's always somebody or there's always something good that comes off it. So if you look for that, then the rest of the positivity will follow.
1: Do you consider yourself to be an activist? (laughs)
2: <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Probably not as loud as I used to be, but definitely, yes.
1: What motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning?
2: Um, just the sense that what I'm doing is, um, you know, really important, knowing that I'm really good at it. Um, and I've got a supportive team and uh, a bunch of people around me that are just as enthusiastic and dedicated as me just makes things just so much easier and you know both my children, my family they're, they're all super supportive as well and you know can't, hit, can't stop not getting out of bed because I've got pets to feed as well <laughs>
1: <laughs> So what's the biggest challenge or perhaps opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or so?
2: Um, it's just more of the same, um, making sure that we're, we're working really closely with other organisations, you know, supporting people in the community and identifying those gaps and reducing them as much as possible. We're, we're expanding again. <laughs> we were supposed to have our grand opening for um, South Dunedin tomorrow, but we've probably signed that. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll keep on doing and keep on going to those communities where um our support is needed
1: and lastly do you have any advice for our listeners
2: oh yes absolutely um just give everything a go don't self-select don't tell you don't talk yourself out of doing anything if you give it a shot then you know who knows what will happen but if you talk yourself out of it you'll never know
1: Thank you very much for joining me. Let's go. We're going out to summer because we're carrying on celebrating summer, even though we're back at work. <laughs> Let's go out to the motels suddenly last summer. Okay. bubbles. Positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We've had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyers Bay, Dunedin, and I have been joined today by Lisa de Klerk in Wackaway ET. We hope you enjoyed the show.